Call the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Okay, it's me. It's me. I'm back again. Sunday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. If, in case you just tuned in, where have you been? WABC Radio 770 on the AM dial is now the hottest radio station. So you should know I am Cindy Adams, Madam Adams, the columnist from the New York Post. I've been doing that column since the days of George Washington. So I'm in the Post Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now on WABC, Sundays, 1 to 2 p.m. So, let us dish. First, I want to tell you about Judge Judy. She was CBS TV's top star and earner for 25 years. She just won her eighth Emmy. This was last week. She's now on Amazon's network because, she says, I'll never retire, and my legs are too short to be a ballet dancer. Okay. She is still the same Judge Judy. Changed only is the hair and robe. Unchanged is her mouth, her brain and stardom. Last week, for her very first session on Amazon, she won another Emmy. It's her ace. And what was TV's number one major attraction doing at exactly that moment when she heard the news? She was home. She was playing gin. She was in her house in Newport, Rhode Island, and she was on a schneid. How do I know that? Because I won $7 from her. And then when we kept on playing, I lost $5. Now you have to know that Forbes magazine just listed her as one of the wealthiest women in America, one of the highest paid and although I lost $5, she made me pay. I had to pay one of the richest women in America five U.S. dollars. So I know where she was when she won the eighth stardom. Okay, okay, I am continuing onward. Everybody's got a camera. That's because everybody's got a phone. So everybody's taking pictures. So everybody's now making movies. More people now make movies than see them. Shove producers and directors. Today the actors are making the movies. Dakota Johnson's newie. Remember Dakota Johnson? She's just made a new movie, produced it. It's called, ready? Cha-Cha Real Smooth. With that name, you shouldn't figure it's going to be another Casablanca or anything, or maybe even a Wizard of Odds. They all want to produce. She produced this. Surprise, surprise. She also stars in it. The film premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. So Dakota said, Hey, it's crazy to have a premiere for a movie that I, my own company, made. I'm really proud, but I've learned it's okay not to have everything figured out all the time. That's also kind of what this movie is all about. Nobody can figure it out. Well, I know I certainly can. She said it's a coming-of-age movie. 
Yeah, Dakota. Like for what age? She says, whatever age you're at. It's set in New Jersey. So this is the closest festival, unless there's one in New Jersey, I don't know about. <sighs> this just cha cha into theaters and onto Apple. Okay, we are continuing on. It is June, the month of I do's. Pierce Brosman told me, my Irish wedding made me cringe. I sold the whole saga to Hello Magazine. But as I look back, I think, God, that was cringe-making. I shouldn't have done that. The downside was worrying about looking foolish, which I probably did, except this made it comfortable for me money-wise. If I hadn't done that deal, I'd have had to pay for the lot of it myself. We will go on. Pamela Anderson on her ex-husband, Tommy Lee. Quote, We met, she says, New Year's Eve, 1994. He came up. He grabbed me. He licked my face. I thought, God, that was great. And I thought anybody who would lick my face has to be a nice guy. So I right away gave him my phone number. Three years later, when he stopped licking her face, she left him. And that old phone number. Wonder bra model, Eva Herzegova. She didn't recognize Bon Jovi drummer Tico Torres when they first met. She says, he told me what he did for a living. He was a roofer. Also, he upholstered chairs. I believed him until in his office days later, I saw these Bon Jovi posters, and I said, you know, I know this is ridiculous, but one of these guys sort of looks like you. Later, she must have said other things, because he's now her ex-husband. Ethan Hawke, his quote, his story, quote, 1992, I met Uma Thurman at an ATM machine in the East Village. She had no idea who I was. I thought she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. We met again then, five years later, because we were both cast in a movie, and then she knew, knew I was a star, movie actor. But it's not such a romantic story, he said, because after we were married... I brought up how we'd met at that ATM machine. She had absolutely no recollection of that. They are now divorced. Antonio Banderas, about Melanie Griffith. He says, what got me, it was the giggle. I'd heard her laugh, and it always made me smile. She even giggles in big moments like when I proposed. Well, that laugh may have stopped because they're now unmarried. On their first date, Warren Beatty invited Annette Benning to make a baby with him. He says, 
We didn't even date before we married. At the end of seeing a movie, our first night we'd met, I asked if she wanted to have dinner and go home and make a baby. She said, yeah, sure, yes, and we did it that night. They are still married, and it's 30 years. Okay, I am now going to burble on to other things. Worse than the pandemic coming back could be Fauci if he comes back. And I now want to talk about what it was like for the past three years being stuck home. Many of us couldn't rush out and be partying or going anywhere to restaurants, openings. The alternative was to stay in and be kvetching. I want to talk about so many of us that have been housebound, me included. I write a column. I couldn't go to theaters. I couldn't go to parties. I couldn't go to galas. I couldn't go to backstages. I couldn't go to interviews. It's all been difficult. Most of us have gained weight and width. Jackets, once encircling the waist, now won't. Instead of dinner out, these three years, it's been celery or clawing a calcified bread crust so our fingers could reach that leftover liverwurst slice. So what if it was ice cold? Eh, it went down quicker. A fashionista who was narrower than string said to me, You're not exercising or running. Your problem is you're gaining weight. Running? I should run? What is she talking about? Two blocks to Duane Reed for mascara, and I'm winded. What the hell running was she talking about? I was home for three years. Meantime, I learned tricks. There's one way to keep your clothes. If you get fatter, you loop a rubber band around the waist's button. It stretches through the buttonhole. Then you re-loop it back to the button, and you keep your short, cropped jacket to hide everything. Also, if you have an extra short, cropped jacket, you can use it to wipe the sink. Now, how is irritation with a husband, a parent, a kid, a housekeeper, a friend, a cheapo uncle, the sponge who's living in now? Jail lockdown seemed roomier to me. At least with good behavior, you could maybe bust out of your 800-square-foot cell by next year. Yeah, they say CV is going down, and yeah, we don't have to wear masks, and yeah, we can go out, but some people are still nervous. How did we get meals all these years? My friend had a live-in unemployed foodie. He wanted bouillabaisse while he was sponging off her. The lady friend, where he had been quarantined, had one out-of-bed ability, and that was reheating frozen TV dinners. This guy left her. His next partner became a short-order cook. Then there's the problem of a pet. If you have a dog, 
A Pekingese? Okay. A Great Dane? A problem. They need to go out. Like any guy in your life, both need to be on a leash. They need to sniff around. They need to get out every once in a while. And each, the guy and the dog, both require toilet training. Another thing. Friends once avoided looking you in the eye because they were searching signs of a facelift. Now, after two years, three years home, you're starting to look a little lousy. There is no time for fake nails, fake lashes, fake hair, fake teeth, fake boobs, fake behinds, fake cheeks, and fake whatever else it is. It doesn't make any difference. You can't get a hairdresser, an eyebrow shaper, a lip plumper, a manicurist, a pedicurist, a dermatologist, a facialist, a yoga is a yoga is an electrolysist, a gymnast, a dentist. You can't even get an eye specialist, an ear specialist, a masseuse, a face doctor, a dressmaker, a wig maker, or a fake eyelash gluer. Go know what to fix first. One friend knows exactly what she wants from Santa. A coat? No. A tweezer. Listen, it's getting tough to stay a natural beauty. So now I'm going to call Police Commissioner Bill Bratton. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Okay, I am now about to introduce my friend, New York's friend, Bill Bratton. He was tops in law enforcement. He served two terms as New York City Police Commissioner. He was then Los Angeles Police Commissioner. He began in the United States Army. He was educated in the University of Massachusetts, and he is now about to be on the air with me. Bill Bratton. First, we all know the famous NYPD police commissioner, Bill Bratton, but some of the young kids mightn't know everyone's whole history. Like, tell me, your parents, where were you born? Where are you from? Start from the beginning. How did you start your professional life? Well, you have to go back to 1947 when I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, uh, Irish heritage, uh, uh, and uh, been in the police business for over 50 years now and uh, worked in a number of departments that you're aware of, Los Angeles, New York, Boston. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, still, still try, to, try to stay in the game as much as I can. What were your studies? Uh, basically, uh, my uh, uh, college background was in uh, law enforcement, uh, the degree I received through a federally sponsored program in the early 1970s when they were trying to increase the number of college-educated police officers was at uh, the old Boston State Teachers College, and the degree was Bachelor of Science in Law Enforcement. I've attended many uh, police courses over the years, FBI Academy, Police Executive Research Forum. Uh, always sought out whatever educational opportunities I could get that would improve my ability at a uh, three-month program over at the Harvard uh, John F. Kennedy School of Government. So I'm always trying to uh, 
uh, stay informed about the profession that I'm in and contribute to that profession wherever I can, whenever I can. So how did you get into the NYPD from Boston? How did that happen? It was actually carefully planned. That uh, I was always just fascinated by the NYPD and LAPD as a young boy, young man growing up, but first went into my hometown police department of Boston. But in 1989-1990, through several colleagues who were working with the New York City Transit Police and the subway system in a separate department, uh, they were looking for a new chief, and they suggested they were consulting at that time with uh, uh, Bob Kiley, chairman of the MCA. Bob knew me from uh, Boston days that Bill Bratton might be available. Uh, They made an offer. I accepted the offer. Cindy, uh, in all honesty, with the idea that if I can get into the transit police, it's like an off-Broadway production, maybe I might have a chance to get on Broadway with the NYPD. Yeah. And it worked out. I, I gained enough visibility and notoriety, particularly uh, Mayor Giuliani, who had just lost the first election to Dave Dinkins, was aware of me and the success we had in the subway reducing crime, interviewed me uh, 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 when he was elected mayor, and decided he wanted to be as his first police commissioner in 1994. So it's uh, dreams do come true. And then a few years later, I had the opportunity to also go to Los Angeles, become the chief of police out there. So all those television shows I watched growing up, One Adam 12, Naked City, uh, uh, they, they, all came, they all came true for me many years later. But you're about the most famous because you've done it in so many of the famous cities, really and truly. Tell me... When you were here at the NYPD commissioner here in New York City, the manpower, the force that reported to you, how many was it then? Well, initially 1990, uh, the then separate transit police department was almost 4,000 officers. Uh, When I worked with Mayor Giuliani, the police department, we merged the separate transit, housing, and city police into one city police department, which it is today. It was a major accomplishment of Mayor Giuliani. He had campaigned on it. And I had 38,000 police officers uh, working for me. In 2014, I had the good fortune to be reappointed for a second time by then newly elected Mayor de Blasio. At that time, uh, the police department, civilian and police, had grown to 55,000 employees. So it's a, it's a huge enterprise with about a $7 billion budget every year. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, uh, I love New York and uh, certainly love the NYPD. And, and like, like Ray Kelly, my predecessor both times, Ray was commissioner in 93 when I was appointed in 94. Yeah, yeah. In 2013, uh, in his case, he grew up in the NYPD. He's a native New Yorker. But uh, uh, in, in some respects, it's kind of like checkers with us. We keep hopping over each other. Yes, well, we had him on last week, so you're following him like you did in real life. <laughs> once, once, so, once again. <laughs> but, but the manpower, the force that reported to you is vastly different than what we have now. What do we have now? You're correct that uh, actually during Giuliani's time with, uh, as part of the uh, 1994 crime bill, with 100,000 more cops that that federal bill sponsored. I think Giuliani and maybe it was Commissioner Safer maybe had for a short period of time as many as 41,000 police officers. The current strength of the department, I think, is around 34 to 35,000. So it's uh, 
much smaller. During Mike Bloomberg and Ray Kelly's time, because of the budget issues, the department actually was reduced in size by almost 6,000. Uh, I was able to get an increase with de Blasio by about 1,200. But over oh, the last uh, couple of okay. years, it's declined again. So uh, I would argue for all the issues New York is facing right now, and I'm sure Ray probably echoed this last week when he was on your show, uh, the department is not large enough for all the responsibilities it has. Of course it's not large enough. Of course it's not large enough. Neither are the idiot mayors we've been having lately. So your estimate, how, when, will, how will this crime wave ever stop? Unfortunately, it will not stop any time in the near future. Over the last couple of months, they've had some success reducing the homicides and murders by 8 or 10%, but that's versus last year's figures. If you go back to 1920, uh, the numbers are still much higher than back in those days. In 2018, 2018 was the safest year in the history of New York for crime that uh, there were fewer than 100,000 reported serious crimes, about 300-some-odd murders, safest year ever. And then the next year, uh, legislature in Albany screwed it all up, and it remains screwed up with their criminal justice reform. The uh, current crime wave that we're dealing with, blame it on New York politicians because they created it. Yes. The police department yes, was yes. doing a phenomenal job yes. reducing crime and disorder. And the legislature, uh, the governor, the mayors, they just screwed it up to a fairly well. What is a way to protect the small shops? You know, if I walk on Madison Avenue, half of it is partially boarded up. They're not even showing their shops. They're all so scared. How is a way even to protect those little shops? That's a long, that's going to be the long road back that uh, I was very excited during my time living in New York, particularly working back with Giuliani and then even going into 2014 with de Blasio through 2018. Uh, I love the idea that the steel grates had disappeared in many areas of the city. You had now had windows that had displays in them, Soho, Madison Avenue. Uh, well, the steel grates are coming back again. The empty storefronts you talk about that oftentimes have their own resident homeless person living in the doorway. Uh, some of that's a combination of, unfortunately, coronavirus. Some of it's the legacy of some of the George Floyd riots after uh, the murder of George Floyd. Uh, a lot of it now is a direct result of the legislative actions that uh, they took with criminal justice reform with. Uh, if you, you Basically, you can win a shoplift over and over and over again, and the district attorneys are not going to prosecute you for it uh, because the laws will change that you, you literally, uh, if you steal under, I think it's like $8,900, uh, you're not going to be arrested for it. So there's no punishment for so many crimes now. So if you're not going to be punished, what's a deterrent? And Listen. Uh, so it's a t tough times, and not just New York, uh, California and other state, Los Angeles, San Francisco. A lot of cities have become uh, looney tunes in the sense that the legislatures and political leadership uh, focus more on enabling criminals instead of enabling the police to stop the criminals. Actually, I think that half the politicians in Albany should be on parole. Actually, that's what I think. And you know, I well, there's, a, there's actually there's actually quite a few of them that are. <laughs> yes, I know that. I live in an apartment that was once owned by Doris Duke. 
She had her windows all chained up. She had a machine where if you press the button, gates came down at night over every window because she lived on the top floor. Yeah, so that is, I think, <laughs> that's going to come back. I think it's going to come back. And now we need, actually, cops stationed on every district, civilian captains on each block. Isn't that what's going to happen? What's a way to protect the people? Well, the reality is that the uh, police force, if not enough of them, uh, they rely very heavily on the partnerships with the various communities, the citizens, the people that see something, say something. Uh, but public safety is really the idea that uh, I tried to create, I think Greg, Greg Kelly and the other commissioners tried to create an environment where the public didn't have to become the cops, that they could rely on the department to protect them. But the politicians in this state have reduced the abilities of the police so phenomenally to protect the public as well as protect themselves. Uh, police officers with the laws in this state have a hard time protecting themselves against the criminals for fear of being sued and uh, for wrongful arrest. It's a, uh, it's, it's a mess, I guess is the only word we can use to describe it. And it's going to take quite a while to straighten it out because the people who created the mess are still in the kitchen and they're still stewing up even more of a mess. But, but what is a way to protect the people? Some of us are even afraid to walk out alone at night. I mean, this is our city. We've gone to nightclubs. We've gone to dinners. We've gone to a hairdresser. We're not even willing to walk on the street in the afternoon, even in the daytime. Yeah. Is there some gimmick or way for ladies alone on the streets to protect themselves? That's, that's understandable. Uh, my own wife was assaulted at 11.30 in the morning at 57th and 3rd Avenue oh. Uh, oh. Uh, on a very crowded corner on a very busy day uh, recently. And you know, in terms of uh, the, the fear level in the city has increased dramatically, and uh, the fear is talked about, it's felt, and there's good reason for it, that you have so many uh, 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 emotionally disturbed people on the streets that make up a large part of the homeless population we see on the streets and the subways. And there again is where the legislature, the political leadership has failed us that uh, uh, former Governor Cuomo during his time uh, reduced the number of beds where you could basically, a judge could put a severely emotionally disturbed person into custodial care. Uh, in the state of New York, I think we have close to uh, about a thousand beds in a state of 16 or 18 million people for severely emotionally disturbed people to be basically put into custody. Not enough, not enough at all, but they've refused to basically expand that capability and capacity. Uh, it's just another example of where the political leadership continues to fail the public. But ultimately, Cindy, who do we blame? Basically, the public, the voters have to blame themselves because who votes these people into office? Uh, basically, the public. So Ed Koch had a famous saying, I'm sure you remember it, when he lost his last election and he was asked about it. Yeah, yeah. And he said, yeah. the people have spoken, now they must be punished. Well, New Yorkers are really being punished by the cast of characters that they've put into office these last few years. And they're going to continue to get punished until they find other people to elect who basically will return the city to some degree of sanity and centrality.
I'm agreeing with you totally. And if anybody has just tuned in, I'm talking to Bill Bratton. Talk to me about the Second Amendment and carrying guns. I don't understand that. Tell me what is happening to me. What is happening to our country? What is happening to well, our I, government? Ironically, New York, uh, along with California, my father's state of Boston, had very tough gun control laws. They were known for it, but, uh, and they worked for many years. And if you were caught carrying a gun or using a gun, you were going to go to jail. That was the reality of it, mandatory sentencing. But uh, legislature and their wisdom back in 2019 with criminal justice reform changed a lot of the laws relative to being able to hold somebody on bail for gun offenses, changing the punishment for gun offenses, so that the gun violence we are experiencing right now in this city was precipitated and caused largely by the legislature changing the laws where district attorneys, even if they wanted to, let's face it, a number of our district attorneys, particularly the district attorney in Manhattan, don't want to put people in jail. They're going to risk the rest of the population by giving these people second chance, third chance, fourth chance. I'm sorry, if you're caught with a gun committing a crime, you need to be punished. You need to go to jail for a period of time. No, absolutely. And we've, absolutely. we've lost that ability, so it's, no, it's understandable why gun crime has gone up. Relative to the court decision yesterday by the Supreme Court, uh, New York City, New York State, California, six other states will be very much affected by that ruling because we had tough gun control laws, even though in this state politicians have not been allowing law enforcement to use them recently. But what it will now do is uh, pretty much require us to rewrite all the rules and regulations about uh, anybody, law-abiding citizen, can now apply for a permit There'll be uh, certain uh, restrictions to get that uh, criminal background check, mental history check, uh, maybe some prohibitions or uh, maybe some ideas that you have to uh, basically go through training to get it. But in any event, for the time being, nothing will change till they work out these rules and regulations. But as much as the legislature has messed up everything else with criminal justice reform, they will probably mess up the new rules and regulations for gun control. Because they may put new regulations in, but then they don't want to enforce them. So going forward, uh, I don't think we're going to have uh, 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 this idea it's going to be the Wild West out there. But I think we will see potentially more violence uh, with yeah. guns, unfortunately yeah. committed by law-abiding citizens who, in a moment of passion, road rage, domestic violence, more suicide, certainly with more guns in the home. And uh, the criminals, let's face it, they never applied for a permit in the first place. They just went out, stole a gun, got a gun, and used it. So uh, the criminal population is not going to increase, but uh, the inappropriate use of guns by the law-abiding population, we're undoubtedly going to see some increase in those types of incidents. And but stop and frisk has them. been decreed okay. It has been decreed constitutional, and That's it correct. worked, mm -hmm. did it not? It did, and it's basically that the secret to that is how to apply it and how to apply it appropriately. Uh, this is where Commissioner Kelly and I had a major disagreement that, uh, in, in the sense that he really felt in Mayor Bloomberg that the success in keeping crime down was with a widespread use of stock question and frisk. I did not believe that it was necessary to have as much of it as they had. And during my time, 
reduced it fairly dramatically. And what happened, crime continued to go down for the three years I was commissioner. So it's a balancing act. It's a the idea of train your officers appropriately, supervise them. But at the same time, like going to a doctor for medicine. You don't want to go to a doctor that's going to give you too much chemo or radiation. Uh, you want it to give you the right amount to cure your cancer. And the same thing with stop, question, frisk, or any of our laws. You want to have the right amount uh, so you don't effectively make the patient uh, make the patient sicker, if you will. So you're correct, though, that there's a real misunderstanding that people think that stop, question, and frisk was done away with. It, it has not been. It's an essential tool. You cannot police without it. Uh, but the challenge is to always do it constitutionally, to always do it within the law. So it's here to stay, and it can be moderated up or down depending on the, the crime circumstance. Okay. But there's so much, misunderst- so much misunderstanding about it, about it. Look, transit cops cannot do the job. Transit cops need more training. Subways intensify patrols on subways. It's the artery that our city survives on, and the ridership is down hugely. People are afraid to ride it. What is the way to protect our subways? Well, some of it's being done. They've put more offices into the subway system. Still not as many as I had to work with back in the early 90s, but you had a lot more crime back then. You still have too much crime now, but back then we had so much more crime. Uh, but the, some of the technology will help. They're talking about something I advocated when I was commissioner the last time about putting cameras onto the subway cars. The type cameras they're putting on, however, if I understand it, will just record an incident that you can review it afterwards. I would advocate for putting cameras that can be monitored real time from a control room or from the conductor's cab, for that matter, as the train is riding along between stations. So slowly improving the technology, also in the sense of uh, uh, giving the police the ability to effectively deal with fear evasion, deal with disorder. The district attorney still do not want to, Bragg and several of the others, prosecute people for fear evasion. Uh, and, you know, the idea is that it's a minor theft of service. I'm sorry, the turnaround of crime in the 1990s began in the subway when we started enforcing the rules. And we turned them around. And Giuliani noticed, appointed me as commissioner, and we used the same tactics in the streets, continued by Safer, continued by Kelly, continued by me again. And it worked until 2018 when the legislature and these, some of these newly elected DAs screwed it up to a fairly well. No, I, I understand that. I understand de Blasio helped to create this problem. I am also not thrilled with our current mayor who goes to California to have a dinner with Paris Hilton. He says that was to help New York. Really? Paris Hilton was going to help New York? You want to help New York? Let him take Paris Hilton to bed I don't understand half of these people we have elected. I also don't understand the training that a motorman on the subway gets. Shouldn't there be some electricity operation to stop a train if someone's fallen or pushed onto the track? The uh, issue you're talking about is that poor soul that was dragged the other day when his foot got caught between the car and the platform. Uh, That clearly was an egregious uh, error on the part of that conductor who effectively is uh, supposed to keep an eye on the platform 
Uh, one, he looks at the lights over the doors to make sure that the doors have closed. But in this case, the doors closed, but the young man's foot was caught between yeah, the car and the platform. So that's where the conductor, if he had done what he was supposed to do, basically watched as the train began in motion. If he, he should have seen that uh, young man. Although some station platforms, Cindy, you know, because you won't go to subways for years as I did, the curve in some of the stations is such that even from the conductor car, you can't see the curve in these 10-car trains, which is a, a major defect. But uh, it's unfortunate that the uh, system has as many tragedies as it does, but a lot of that can be rectified with better, better technology and better training. Well, tell me how you get cops to join the NYPD. How do you get more to sign on when the police academy is having trouble recruiting? Well, the good news is, is the NYPD historically has never had a problem recruiting enough officers to fulfill uh, their vacancies. What happened, however, during the coronavirus uh, 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 pandemic was that we stopped giving the tests, stopped the hiring process, so the pool of candidates has now been reduced dramatically from what we'd normally have of 25 or 30,000. So they are in the process of formulating the new exams, but by the time they give the new exams, get the kids through the exam, start screening them, you're talking a year-long process. So it's not so much that the uh, department doesn't have enough candidates, it's one that the city council, this city council, will not support hiring more police. As we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, the department is down about 1,200 officers from what it was. Yeah. Remember when they defunded the police back in 2020, 2021, and the department was reduced by about 1,200 cops during that defunding? Uh, they never hired them back. So the issue is not lack of candidates, but it's actually lack of budget authority to hire those candidates. You know, I totally agree with you, and robberies are up 50%. Midtown is up over 80%. I st our streets are dirty. Our stores are closed. Our mayor's going to Hollywood parties and wearing dress-up costumes. I just don't understand what we are going to do. I don't understand how we are going to solve it. What mostly, in your time, were your problems, Bill? What problems did you have as our police commissioner. As, 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 you know, as you know, we had no shortage of them back in the 90s or even as recently as 2014. Uh, a lot of them were political problems. Uh, uh, even myself and Giuliani, while we shared a great success story, we had we had our issues. And uh, you know, for problems uh, uh, for a lot of my police career, we're getting appropriate funding to hire enough cops, enough technology. Ironically, in my last time as commissioner, 2014, for the three years I was commissioner, for the first time in my career, I had unlimited funding that uh, as much as we may criticize Ahmed Blasio about some of the things that went on during his time as mayor, during my time with him that uh, he was very generous to the department in terms of the money for equipment, training, hiring of more police officers. But where it went astray was basically those changes in the laws I'm talking about, the idea of, uh, we talked earlier about uh, the idea of uh, how much stop, question, and frisk, how much arrest you want to make, that it's like chemotherapy or radiation for cancer patient. We stopped giving enough treatment to the problem starting around 2016, 
2017. Uh, not enough that by 2018 we still had the best year ever, but I'll tell you, by 2020 it started to change dramatically, and we're still changing in a, not a good way, a bad way, unfortunately. Okay, okay. I just want to say I am very, very grateful to be speaking to Bill Bratton. I am very grateful that you have come on the air, and I am wanting more cops to be out there on the streets. We need them. Robberies are up. Midtown is down. We are in terrible trouble, and I thank you very, very much, Bill Bratton, for coming on the air with me. I love you. Thank you. Thank you you for beating the drum for more cops. Hopefully your listeners will uh, basically join the band and beat on their drums also. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye, sweetie. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. We are coming to a great 4th of July holiday weekend. Thanks to our founding fathers, every child born in the USA today is endowed with life, liberty, and a share of the government debt. Also, I need to mention Manhattan's newest package deal. It's getting the store to gift wrap the stuff you just shoplifted. And a thought about rancid Pelosi. Today I'm into knocking some of our officials. Bag brag, I would like to do this DA, our mayor, you know what I think of him. And now rancid Pelosi. Once you couldn't discuss how she hornswoggled her hairdresser. Now you can't ask how her husband flunked driving. And never can you mention that her Vesuvius-sized mouth is swallowing the country. Now that I have knocked her, I will go on to discuss other things. I just read a newspaper article that talked about Russian oligarchs. That's what other kind are there? Of course, it's Russian oligarchs. It said, selling oligarchs' assets may take years, and President Biden wants to speed up the process. Really? How about speeding up his process? How about speeding up his cue cards, his mumbling, or his gas price? problem. How about speeding up the immigration problem, inflation problem, sun hunter difficulty, health care, global challenges, economy, pandemic, climate change situation, unemployment, financial crisis, discrimination, economy disaster, social issues, climate issues, global issues, immigration issues, racial, poverty, hunger, nuclear threat, and our nightmare gun problem. And his big thing that he can actually pronounce is the oligarchs. Listen, if a handler fluffed up his pillows, he could maybe mouth it all from his crib in Delaware. And listen, I'm not even mentioning how bad is Kamala, or even the Tony Awards. Juice out of D.C. 
says that the January City, January 6th committee will disband after the GOP wins in elections on November. Trump jeopardy lasts as long as Burpton is president. Understand, of course, this is just my con- concept, but the Charlie McCarthy in the White House never accomplished anything except living off the USA. In person, he's a very nice man, but the truth is his entire whole unheralded life was to accomplish nothing. He has never done anything that you can point to. He has just always wanted to be president. So, the GOP's best is to continue peeing on Biden, praise the GOP's responsible office holders, growl after son Hunter, also known as Jesse James, calm the rabid AOC, and tell mad dog Bernie Sanders, down boy, down, and growl after everything else that's coming to fruition and calm also rabid AOC and tell the mad dog Bernie Sanders, down boy, down. Okay, I'm continuing on. I'm getting rabid myself. Sylvester Stallone was seen swanning around our town. He had a black tight t-shirt, a big heavy gold chain, a flash of in-the-flesh Rocky. He was walking alone midday, 5th and 55th, his face in a deep scowl. Also, 11.30 a.m., masked Alvin Bragg, whom I have said earlier, we must bag Bragg. He lumbered in for breakfast to a place called Bubby's in Tribeca. Some law and order expert, he also had to schlep around to actually hunt for his co-eaters. I mean, this is just a nice little restaurant. It's not the size of Yankee Stadium, and he couldn't find his people. He looked outside, alongside, inside, and finally found his little group as his body man checked everyone's comings, goings, and bathroom breaks. How about this expertise for our DA? Okay, what? Now I want to say one thing about Melissa DeRosa. She was our ex-government Cuomo's top dog. I reported she is shopping a book. I wrote about it. She then bitched to me. She actually barked like a Pekingese. She snarled. She growled. She says that isn't true, and how dare I say that? No, it's absolutely not true, she said. No, no, no. She got in touch twice. She didn't do a book. She didn't call a publisher about a book. She didn't plan any party about the book. She didn't ever even read a book. She didn't even own a book. However, reporters exist whose names I have, who say they have been told differently 
and that they were told so by her. And if she pushes me, I will mention the name of the ones who told it to me and that she had told it to them. So now I am telling it to you so you know what you, if you should see her, can tell her. Now I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for listening to me and I want you to know just one thing before I go. And that is about Manhattan's skyscraper skyscrapers. Its average executive will jog 10 minutes for exercise. Then he will ride the elevator up to the second floor. And that, my friends, is only in New York, kids. Only in New York. Thank you for listening to me. Read me in the New York Post, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tune me in again, if you can stand it, next Sunday at 1 o'clock, where I will be on the air from 1 to 2. And I thank you very, very, very much for listening. Goodbye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.